Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome. On the big show today, we're going to be talking to celebrity pet sitter Laura Vaurier. How's it pronounced? Uh, yeah, what is that, Hal? Laura Vaurier. No. Vaurier. Like warrior, but with a V. So say warrior, warrior. I am the warrior. <laughs> she's actually coming on again. She's been on before, and I screwed up her name the first time, and she's still coming on the show today. And she's going to be talking about pet sitting and pet sitting for the stars, how the celebrities spoil their pets, and whether or not pet sitting is a good business. Because, you know, you may be looking around you right now in your little cubicle saying, I hate my job. I wish I could just be a pet sitter. And actually... It's a pretty profitable business for those that have um, advanced in it, like you, Judy. You <sighs> accidentally started pet sitting, and now you've got a full-blown business. Yeah. You know, and I just do it part-time. I can imagine if I did it full-time and hired employees, but I... You can make bank. Yeah, you can, but you know, you can do it on whatever level you want, and I prefer to do it with just myself, and I, I'm in control, and I do the jobs. I don't want to have to worry and vet someone else and worry mm-hmm. about, be, be responsible for someone else. So you don't have employees. Right. No, I don't want to. I want to be in control, and I want to keep it small, and I want to offer my personal service. Oh, well, that's good. Now, will you go, Judy, to somebody else's house to spend the night where, you know, and watch mm-hmm. the dogs? No, been there, done no. that, and I will never do it again. Bad experiences the both time I did. Really? It. Oh, yes. Somebody calls you up and says, hey, listen, I need you to stay the night. What do you say? You just can't do it? I say, no, I don't do nights, but I can refer them to somebody who does. Oh, so you have does. a referral? Yes. Did you make a commission off that referral? No, because they're my friends, so oh. I don't do that. But uh, yeah, one time I, I stayed the night in a beautiful $3 million mansion on the water, and they wanted me to sleep with the front door open and leave the door open 24-7. So it was kind of hard sleeping at night with the door open. So a $3 million home. Wow, boy, let me pull out the violin for you. That's tough. I know, and it was a beautiful home. That's why I thought, I can't turn this one down. This is awesome. So you'd say it's a pretty good job, right? I mean, it's not the best job in the world. It's a good job. I can. I, I love being with all the different animals. I, I get to spend time with animals I've never had, and I always wondered, what is that breed really like? And who doesn't like to get paid to exercise and walk dogs? There's a job that's even better than that, though, and we're going to have this guy on today, Alan Dixon. He goes around... And makes a living taking selfies of him with animals. How cool is that? That is cool. Have you done that, Judy? No, I've taken selfies with my dog, but not... Do you have any interesting selfie stories? No, afraid not. Sorry, (laughs) Hal. I kissed a pig once in a selfie. And you liked it? I loved it. I really did. (laughs) Oh, you're a lucky, lucky listener today. We're in rare form today. Dr. Debbie's working her way into the studio right now. She needs to get that first cup of coffee. I just did a cat enema, too. It seems every time I get on air, I do something really weird. Either eyeballs popping out or enemas in cats. <laughs> a cat enema. That can't... I'm pretty sure that you have to put on gloves for that, right? Yeah, gloves and sometimes protective eyewear, I'll tell you. Sometimes when you get a little liquid, it just kind of propels things and... Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You know, so, your job is one of those jobs you either love or hate. I gotta tell you that right now. You got you gotta like grossness. I mean, any kid that wants to be a veterinarian, if you can't stand the smell of dog poo, or you can't stand something really pussy or boogery looking, <laughs> it's, it's not for you. You you gotta love that stuff. And you do. I do. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Were you like that from a kid, from a teenager? Did uh, 
Did your parents freak out? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I think what they really knew they were in trouble when I had a, a little pet um, lizard, a little fence lizard, and his name was Rambo, and he was he was a delight. You know, I loved him. You know, I wasn't really allowed a lot of pets, believe it or not. So um, I loved him, and he died, and oh. I wanted to know why he died. So uh, my mom came home, and I was on the kitchen table dissecting him oh. after he had passed away, and um, granted, she, you know, I still got dinner that night but um she was very disgusted i used the kitchen table for that purpose <laughs> so you were, you were doing an autopsy is what you were doing exactly just trying to you know deduce the cause of death and did you figure it out um well it, it, actually it was a combination of things but i was trying to force feed him and i uh, kind of contributed to part of the problem he had uh, oh. a cricket stuck in his throat yeah uh. <laughs> But he, he, there's a lot of things you learn when you have these critters. You learn what they need, and and that's a very important thing. That uh, you know, learn the husbandry, their diet, their uh, temperature, environment, all that. Very good. Well, you've come a long ways. What are you working on, Lori? There is. Um, I don't know if it's first or not, but an entire country says, "Heck no, we're not going to do it." They are banning testing cosmetics on animals. Rah rah. Yeah. About time. We should all do that. Which one, Judy? Let's go to line one. Hi, Helen. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. Just want to let you know, I might lose you. I'm on my cell out in the middle of Texas. Okay. Here, so. Well, I'll tell you what. Let, let's get you right to the doctor immediately. So just in case we lose you, you'll get your answer, okay? Okay. What's up with, with your animals? Well, I have a two-year-old Scotty, and she's a good little girl. She's the best dog in the world, but she gets excited. She piddles all over. Ooh. Oh. And she's been doing this since she was old, eight weeks old, and I was wondering if there's anything we can do to prevent it. Okay. Can you tell me in the situations when, when she's doing that, what triggers that? Um, meeting strangers, that's about the biggest trigger right there. Now, I do that, okay. too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was a big deal, but... This is actually um, a very common problem, and uh -huh. we see it in a lot of dogs. Most commonly, we see it in puppies, um, and they tend to kind of grow out of it. But um, at two years of age, if that behavior is there, you know, we're going to have to battle this. And there are there's basically two reasons why this happens in dogs. Um, one of the reasons is that they're just excited, and we call them excitement urinators. <laughs> and then in other pets, it's actually a way that they're displaying submission. So if this is happening more when people are coming into the home and it happens right when they're walking in the front door and, um, you know, she gets excited and it's all a big event, that's probably more of just an emotional excitement type thing. And that's there's definitely ways we can work with that. That's yeah. what you think it is? That's what I, I would say. So because she'll go right up to people and as soon as her little tail starts wagging, the faster it goes, <laughs> she starts her Uh huh. Yeah, and then splashing the urine all over the place. It's a great greeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> no. I just had her out in the truck. I took her out for her little break, and she saw a Pomeranian out there while we were out going to the bathroom out there, and she peed all over my shoe. <laughs> oh, oh my there. goodness. <laughs> so when she does this, does she kind of roll over? Does she show her belly when this is happening? Nope, not at all. Okay, because that's one way that we can look at the other cause of this is when they're being submissive. Because in the dog world, um, a, a dog that's submissive to another dog tends to kind of show their underbelly. They'll roll over and even urinate a little bit. So in your situation, with this being excitement, this is this is an exciting thing. We can work with this. So the hardest thing in the world that I tell my clients when we're fighting this problem is... You need to tame down the greetings when you enter the home, whether it be you coming home from work or someone yeah. entering into the home. Um, it's common nature. We all want to go, oh, hi, puppy, puppy, great to see you. 
But it actually, that's actually kind of perpetuating this behavior because they get excited all the more. We're just kind of Mm -hmm. amping them up, and then the urine flows. So the first thing you want to do is when you come home, you ignore your dog as hard as it is. For five minutes, you go take her straight outside. Don't make eye contact. You're not looking at her. You're not talking to her. Get her to do her potty business. And then after a few minutes, the excitement kind of wears off, and you'll hopefully not find that that will happen at that time. But this is a very hard thing for people to do. Um, Some other dogs we can try, like using a head halter. Um, If you've ever seen those gentle lead harnesses, that's kind of a good thing. Um, And even just kind of practicing some kind of calm commands when you come in, you know, just a quiet sit without getting her all excited. Um, But really that, uh, you know, that that getting them all worked up thing, is that's really what kind of triggers this and feeds that uh, behavior. And probably even with strangers, not let them pet her right away till she settles down and Exactly. And and that's what I do is I would tell people when they come to your home, just ignore her. Don't look at her. Don't talk to her. Um, You know, same thing, no eye contact. And if you have to, you can take her outside right as they're entering. But in in many cases, if you just tell and you instruct your friends and family, you know, just don't pay attention to the dog, um, then that's going to be a really good thing. And and you'll want to practice this. So you want to have friends and family members that are in on this kind of help set her up (laughs) so that you can practice this behavior. And it, it, it will work, but it just takes a lot of uh, a lot of uh, conditioning in that way. All right, because I guess she's a very happy, happy dog, actually too happy. And I guess that's yeah. What's oh, this year. we want to yeah. we want to keep the happiness. We just don't want the piddle going everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> well, I hope that's helpful for you. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Well, this Morgus Board of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It is always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. (laughs) And now an Animal Radio news brief. A recent act of kangaroo censorship have left some people hopping mad. The Mirror says Tourism Australia posted a photo of a kangaroo named Big Baz on their Facebook page, but since Big Baz was sprawled out on his back in the pic, they chose to keep it PG and they pixelated the animal's private parts. I didn't know that kangaroos were so well endowed. But the people at Tourism Australia explained that they were only having a little bit of fun and not everybody thought it was that funny. In fact, more than 1,600 people commented on the photo, many calling the censorship stupid, crazy, and everything in between. One user even accused Tourism Australia of trying to turn Big Baz into a centerfold model. The agency since replaced the photo with another that's a little bit more modest. He's probably wearing boxers now or something, but they joke that Big Baz has since taken to being a little camera shy. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. 
Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn Chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24 24- commitment early termination fee and e-auto pay restrictions apply call for details hey this is sean hayes on animal radio remember to spay and neuter your pets live at the red barn studios you're listening to animal radio here's hal and judy if you've ever thought about quitting your day job and becoming a pet sitter in just a few minutes we'll be talking to laura varrier very good. That's you said mm-hmm. it. How do you? It comes so easy to you. What is with that? Is I it warrior or voyeur? It's more like warrior. Yeah, I am the warrior. <laughs> yes, I am the warrior. She she is a pet sitter extraordinaire. She'll tell us a little bit about the business and how she got into it. Actually, taking care of some celebrity animals, or wow. well, some celebrities' animals. I should probably say. <laughs> She's so funny and so knowledgeable and just down to earth. I love talking to her. Yeah, she was on last July. And she had so much to talk about. We just figured we'd have to have her back. Uh, We'll go to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Uh, Lori, what are you working on for the news this hour? You know, finally, some scientific factual data coming out on BSL or breed-specific legislation, which is basically when uh, usually a county, state, city, country, whatever, decides they're going to ban a certain breed or breeds of dogs. So there's this new study out, and we'll tell you what they found, and it wasn't what they were expecting. Mm. I'm glad you clarified the initials BSL, because I thought that was something totally different. (laughs) Uh, Which one? Line three. Here we go. Hi, who's this? Ariel. Hi, Ariel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? Um, Orange County, down in Irvine. You sound like you're in a giddy mood, too. I'm okay with it. I have a funny, funny question of a funny, funny cat. Well, we have a funny, funny vet, and her name's Dr. (laughs) Deb, and she's on with us right now. What do you got going on with your kitty? Okay, I have a Siamese cat named Sushi. She's about two years old, and she has a problem with sucking her tail to the point where the tip is discolored, and I don't know what to do or why she's doing it. (laughs) Okay, well, this is a fun call. And how, how old is Sushi? I think she's about probably just over two years. Okay. And has she been doing this behavior since you've had her? Yeah, um, pretty much. I adopted her rescue from about seven months ago. Okay. And I didn't really notice it until lately. Alrighty. So you're probably noticing her like you're laying in bed and you've got a wet, cold tail slapping on you or something like that. Right. And it's discolored now. It's turned from brown to red. Yes. Now, does she does she have any other habits where she sucks on like uh, clothing or any other parts of her body or your body? No, just that massage thing with the paws. Okay, so she does a little happy feet thing. Uh, ma- making biscuits, huh? Yeah. Yes. And that's very normal. That's the sign of a happy cat there. <laughs> okay. Good. So the tail sucking phenomenon, and this is kind of interesting, and when you first said you had a Siamese cat, that just sent up all the red flags because Siamese Uh cats are 
they're very special. Um, yeah, they I are. I love them. I love them to death, but they definitely have some kind of loose neuron going on there. <laughs> and tail sucking is one of those behaviors we see a lot with them. Um, oh. Some people believe that it's somehow a um, something that they lacked when they were nursing and they didn't have enough contact with their mom. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It, it, we can actually see that more with problems when, when they're truly just bored. Um, and they just kind of turn to that as kind of a soothing behavior, and they find some self-satisfaction, and that kind of makes them feel good. Oh, um, God, I'm a bad mom. No, <laughs> but there toys. are things there are things that we can do to try to you know decrease that possibility, and, and it's kind of hard because there's a lot of different factors we can look at. Whether it's you know she's bored, and whether she's doing it for attention, because actually some cats will do this to get a rise out of us. Um, oh. You start yelling at them, wagging your hands at them, squirting water, whatever it might be, and it's actually negative reinforcement um, for that behavior. So, I, have you tried doing anything so far for this? Well, I guess I need to stop the football kick, huh? <laughs> no. How far, how far no, can you no, get them? No, actually, I just I tickle her tummy is what I do because I thought it was you, cute until I noticed it started turning colors. Uh, <laughs> now, do you tickle her tummy when she does this or to? Just to uh, get her to stop doing it. Okay. See, now, and that actually could be seen as a successful attention-seeking behavior because she's getting a response that she likes out of ah. that behavior. So okay. when she does that, we don't want to give her undue attention. Got it. We, act, we actually want to try to give her other ways, you know, and if she, if we can't eliminate the sucking behavior, it's completely possible. Some cats, we cannot. Um, and some Siamese love to do this. So we want to give her alternatives. Um, so I would encourage you, we'd like to look for things such as uh, Kitty Kong type toys. Uh-huh. You can use types that you can put little treats in, little snackies, make it so that she has to work for her food. We want scheduled playtime for her. Um, things like okay. the cat dancer, the feather toys, Got things it. where we can get her active and doing things. And, um, and if she, yeah, all of that type of thing. And if she starts to do something that's close to sucking on that tail, we want to redirect it into something else. And I actually have some cats that I will use, um, kitty lollipops, I call them. Oh, and, and they're not really lollipops, but you can actually get little rawhide shoes, such as for dogs. Uh-huh. And train her to that and for a lot of cats they still have this oral urge to chew and to lick and you can redirect it to something like um, the rawhide chew yeah i guess otherwise i gotta break myself stuck in my thumb (laughs) (laughs) definitely we don't want her to be picking up any habits off of you there so um, i started to wonder if i was an influence <laughs> so much of what we do rubs off on our pets. We thank you for your call today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. The pets are all part of your life. Make them welcome in your life. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog Ladybug uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. 
We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. There's a new study out by researchers in Denmark on the impact of BSL. You've heard of BSL before. I know you have. It's um, breed-specific legislation is what it stands for. And it is often a city or even a country's attempt to ban dog breeds that it deems is vicious. So this study was done by Karlstad University using data from Denmark's third largest city. The results they got, they showed that BSL there had no effect on hospitalizations for dog bites. People who were bitten. Now, here's the history on this. Back in 2010, Denmark banned the ownership, breeding, and importation of 13 different dog breeds. And two of those breeds, the Pitbull Terrier and the Tosa Inu, if you had one of those as a pet, they had to be euthanized. I imagine many people moved out of the country at that time. And then any existing pets of the remaining breeds, of the remaining 11 breeds, those dogs could be kept, but they had to be muzzled and leashed when they were out in public. I think it's really important to point out, you're talking about the study that's done in Europe, but we have breed-specific legislation here in the United States. If you live in cities like Denver, you cannot own a pit bull of any sort. Or, or that bull breed. And there's many cities like that. So it's affecting us here in the U.S. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I wonder if they've done any studies here in the U.S. to see how effective it really is. It, it, it all comes down to a responsible pet owner. I mean, we, we, everyone is trying to regulate the breeds, regulate the pets, regulate the damn pet owners. Not everyone's suitable to be a pet owner. And you're going to see the biting right. um, at least you know subside. You're going to see a lot of things change. But we want to change everything else to suit our need and right. forget about the needs of the pet. And, and it, it really bothers me. You are spot on with that. It's just like with children. Hal, did, we used to work for uh, a big-name radio disc jockey who we both love dearly, <laughs> who used to always say, you ought to have to have a license to have kids. Kind of so like true. the same thing for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> yes. Well, the Australian government has passed a bill that effectively bans animal testing for cosmetics that are sold in that country. So Australia will no longer accept results derived from animal experimentation as evidence of a product's safety or effectiveness. This means that cosmetic brands will now be required, at least for Australia, to show that their products are safe with non-animal testing methods. And uh, a lot of this came about, by the way, because a majority of Australians, 85% of them are against animal testing for cosmetics. And there's a, a woman in upstate New York who recently saw on a Facebook post about a cat that was thought to be sleeping on a highway guardrail. And, you know, that looks kind of dangerous and the weather is freezing and cold and everything is kind of dangerous. So she rushed out to the location and realized that the cat wasn't sleeping. It was literally stuck. Two of its paws and the cat's tail were frozen to that guardrail so it could not get free. Once at a veterinary hospital where the woman took it to, the cat, whose name is now Elsa from the movie Frozen, was checked out and found to be in pretty good shape, but she's still not up for adoption yet. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Clearly, clearly mistaken. I do not have the best job in the world. I thought I had the best job. I thought I could come in, do a radio show about animals, have my animals here, have my best friends around me. But apparently, there's a job better than that. And we're talking to Alan Dixon. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on. Where are you right now? I am in Sweden at the moment. <laughs> let me tell listeners a little bit about what you do, and then I'll let you correct it, okay? Because I'm a wealth of misinformation, if you don't know. You travel the world taking selfies with animals, all kinds of different animals, and you post them to an Instagram page, which now has, what, 316,000 followers and uh, you pay the bills doing this, too, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah well, you can double the follower count. But, um, <laughs> really? yeah, it's basically wow. the core of what I do is if taking selfies with animals. But it's like it's basically pop culture of wildlife conservation, basically okay. teaching kids in a cool way to conserve wildlife and the environment. Well, now, how did you happen into this? Well, it all came and all spun kind of completely at random out of the blue. I won a job called the best job in the world from Tourism Australia. And this is about six years ago. It was one of those like dream job competitions, which the stakes were ridiculous. So it was like $100,000 for six months, all expenses paid trip to Australia. And they wanted you to make media to showcase why the country was so great. I got through the competition, a quarter of a million people entered and miraculously I won. Wow. That's pretty incredible. And, and you came from Ireland while yeah, traveling from Ireland to Australia and while in the wildlife parks, I was obviously taking pictures of the animals, but I was, I'm so meticulous and pay attention to detail that I was kind of chilling with the animals like kangaroos and the wallabies for a good few hours to the point they got curious, they'd come up and they wouldn't fit in the camera lens. So I just turned it around and took a selfie. And that was six <laughs> years ago. I basically was taking these animal selfies and I was just doing it for fun and literally did, I invented the animal selfie trend, I guess. You know what? It's it's too wow. bad that this is radio because I'm looking at some really phenomenal pictures. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold them up to the microphone, but I'm also going to post them over at animalradio.pet so you can see these. You must take a bunch of pictures to end up with these pictures here. I mean, each and every picture, <laughs> the animals seem to be looking right into the camera or holding on to you. Thank you. Uh, it's it's that moment of curiosity. And it's I'm and then I guess I'm just I'm clicking burst mode to caption that moment of curiosity when the animal's head looks down and then miraculously just looks in the direction of the camera. It's just that pinnacle moment of that human. The face is so funny. It's a smiling, happy face. So it, it looks like, like there's a human connection between wildlife and animals. <laughs> and they have feelings, too. Have you ever been in danger by taking any of these photos where, you know, feared, uh, afraid for your life? Yeah, I, I actually, I did a commercial and it was with a grizzly bear. Ooh. So I took a selfie with a grizzly bear. And uh, now that I think about it, I don't think there was health insurance. So, I <laughs> so is this a job that will come to an end or will you be able to maintain using your, your followers on Instagram? Like, honestly, with like everything's evolving all the time. There's all these new apps coming out, everything. Um, regardless, the internet is, the core of it is cats. So... It's all about animals. So <laughs> as long as I keep doing what I'm doing in a fun, effective way, 
it's a really cool way of teaching kids and everyone about wildlife conservation environments in like a engaging way. So I'll be, I'll be, I'm sticking it out for the long term. What was uh, the most memorable animal you took a selfie with? Um, okay. So honestly, it's, it's, it's not, it's the memor it's the fact that I kind of created this whole experience. Sure. Um, with, with the selfies I was taking, um, people just hadn't have heard of the, like quokkas. These are the animals that like, it's my profile photo. It's the iconic one. Never heard so, of it. Yeah. They're this little animal in like Western Australia. There's only 12,000 of them. They look like and, squirrels, like oversized squirrels. Yeah. So imagine an animal like the size of a cat with the body shape of a kangaroo and you stick a face of a smiling bear on top. That's what a quokka <laughs> is. And there's only 12,000 of them nobody had heard about these nobody and i managed to go out there hang out with them capture some really cool stuff and it was i captured this like like days upon days with them and uh nobody had heard about them and i basically invented this whole experience of making people discover animals that they'd never heard of um and that's kind of what I'm what I'm quite proud of. And that's kind of what I'm trying to showcase, that there's such a diversity of animals that it makes your like heart melt. Now, in this picture of you and the quokka, the quokka is apparently just sitting there really looking intently into the camera. How Smiling. Do you, how do you get your animals to, or these animals to do that, to play along with you? <laughs> well, well, basically, it's like, okay, if you can get them to trust you, to be around you, then obviously at some point they're going to sit down, have like – they're going to have some food. So the quokkas, they eat the leaf stems that fall from the fig trees. And a lot of my photos are taken underneath that. Um, so they're just mad to have these fig trees. And I guess it's that moment when they look directly down the barrel of the lens and they're chomping away on some food. But I, I don't know. I guess it's just it's just perseverance and patience of constantly taking. It could take like five hours to get that perfect shot. So you woke up this morning and you said, "Okay, I got to do what today?" Um, I got to take some pictures of alpacas. Alpacas. <laughs> wow. Are there al- rough life. Yes. A lot of alpacas in Sweden? Um, one of my friends has like an alpaca farm and it was like, oh, probably like minus well, what what's that in Fahrenheit? I don't know, maybe minus 10 or something. There's snow and the alpacas are having fun out there. It looks like a winter wonderland. So, yeah, there's animals everywhere and some moose. I, be, I guess I – actually, I think next up I'm going to go to Latin America, Costa Rica. So I got to guess – I gotta, I just got to find the most diverse animals out there. I think this is what – the internet has pushed me on this adventure to kind of make – just to show how awesome the world is. Well, if you go to Costa Rica, you got to take pictures with sloths. Hopefully they'll be slow enough for me to take the photo. <laughs> You got to watch out for those those sloths. They're very shifty. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm going to put links to your Facebook page and your Instagram and a couple of pictures up on the website at animalradio.pat. You should definitely go check this guy's page out right now. There's a lot of just fun, fun pictures. Thank you so much. Thank you. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. <laughs> We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. I'm Beth Stern. 
radio and adopt from your local shelter. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, who's this? Hi, it's Glenn. Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, you are on with Dr. Debbie. Uh, hi, doctor. Uh, I have a hey, question. how are you doing today? Good. Um, what can I help you with? It's kind of weird. My uh, my dog is uh, like rubbing his bottom on the ground. Oh. Uh, you know, just kind of pushing along every now and then. It'll, you know, it's kind of, it's just weird. Okay. And what kind of dog do you, is he? It's a Shih Tzu. Shih Tzu. And what's the baby's name? Tucker. Tucker. All right. And uh, has Tucker done this very long? Is this something new for him? Uh, something he just started. Okay. Do you keep him clipped? Is he a, um, a groom dog, or do you have him in full hair coat? Uh, he's actually trimmed pretty short, surprisingly. Okay. And is there anything that, when he's doing this, um, does he show any anxiety? Does he try to turn around, chew his behind, anything like that? Yeah, a little bit, exactly. Okay. And you didn't mention how old he is. How old is he? Uh, he's 10. 10? So you've had him for a good spell then, huh? Yeah, I, I haven't seen him do this before. Is there any kind of discharge, any color that you're seeing, any blood, anything unusual down when, on the floor area when he's actually doing that scooching? Uh, not that I've noticed. Well, Is the that first thing that really comes to for? Yeah, that's definitely something to look. And, you know, one of the first things I would do is step up behind him. And if he permits this, is I would kind of lift up that tail area uh -huh. and look right at his butt. Uh -huh. As unpleasant <laughs> as that sounds, we want to look there um, because... Um, around a dog's anal area, they do have some glands, and they're scent glands. And um, basically, they're the same type of gland that any carnivore would have. So a skunk has glands that stink, and so do dogs, and so do cats. And they're located right around the anal area. And they're located right about, I'd say, about the 4 o'clock and about the 7 o'clock area, if you look at the behind as a, as a clock. <laughs> my, my, my dog is a skunk and a clock. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, any kind of uh, thing that helps visualize these things. Yeah, okay. But when you're, when you're looking at the target and you're looking there, you want to look off to either side. If you see any redness, any swelling, and, or any kind of open sore, that is something that would give us a clear indication that we have an anal gland uh, problem and potentially an infection. Uh. Now, some dogs with anal gland issues, they're, they're a gland that doesn't really do much of anything. They're really just pretty much a scent gland. And, um, you know, when dogs scoot like that, they're trying to relieve the itch. Um, so you definitely want to have your pet evaluated with a veterinarian, and they'll do a nice rectal exam, put on a latex glove, check those out. And maybe we'll be lucky, and maybe all Tucker will need is just to have those glands emptied, um, which for a lot of dogs does have to be done fairly regularly. Um, some groomers are, do that as a maintenance type thing. So that's why I was kind of asking you before if you took him groom, to get him groomed because a lot of that maintenance work many uh, groomers are very comfortable doing. And, you know, it's possible because we've just stopped taking him in on a regular basis. So maybe that's what the deal is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if they've been doing that successfully and we're not keeping that up, then definitely that could play a role. It's probably now, if something he's actually... I've never really thought about doing myself. 
No, you know, and I've had many clients ask me, is this something I can learn to do? Can you teach me? And I've had a few people that have the heart and the will to try, and it's it can be done. It's just, uh, I don't know. I'm a pet owner myself, and it's it's not something I like to look at my dog children and say, come here, let me take care of that for you. Um, it's sometimes, I think, something a professional, um, it's best to not have that uh, breakdown in your uh, relationship there. I think I'm going to take man. Yeah. Now, now, if he does have an actual infection or an abscess, um, those can be kind of interesting to deal with because in many cases, they actually have to be flushed out, be on antibiotics. Sometimes pets need those drained. So um, it would be something definitely I'd get on right away so we can find out if it's something on the milder end or something a little bit more serious that we All have right. to address. Well, picture me lifting up my dog by his tail. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. And you know the... And there's some definitely some other things that will cause dogs to scoot besides those anal glands. So um, that's probably the most common reason that we'll see uh, dogs dragging their behind across a carpet, tile. I've seen them across cement. Um, but other things can also be um, potentially parasites. Um, there are some types of worms, um, particularly tapeworms, that can cause some itchiness in the, the butt areas. Um, and as well as some dogs that have allergies, uh, food allergies or seasonal allergies, will tend to have itchiness. It isn't always just on oh. the butt area. Well, um, they tend be, to have that. In, yeah, it could be fleas, too. I know he's really allergic to fleas, and we just had a bad bout, and I finally got, some, got him uh, taken care of, so maybe that was it, too. Yeah, and that's where sometimes, you know, skin, the, the rear end is just as much skin as anywhere else. So if you are having a problem with a skin disease, whether it be a flea problem or an allergy problem, um, the dog is a whole. So, yeah, we definitely want to make sure we don't focus in just on that butt. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Debbie. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. It sounds like uh, any way you cut it, you have to go to the vet on that one. Is that correct? Yeah, and and for most pet owners, you know, checking those glands, um, you know, you you're treading into unfamiliar water, so you really want to see a professional for that. Judy used to do that for a living. Well, she used to no. do it at a vet's office. When and- I had to, that was <laughs> part of the grooming when I bathed the dogs and clipped their nails, and you, you know, eliminate their anal glands. You would. not a pleasant thing to do. Huh? No, no, many a gagging going on. You have to have quite a quite a constitution to be able to do that. Yes. Okay, so leave it to the professionals. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you, right now, want to take, wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels. I just have one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead. do that. Say don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels Animal Radio. You've got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio, and take care of your pets. They will rock your world. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow if you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and 
and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you got to call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. You think you spoil your animals, don't you? With all that stuff you do for them. You know what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. looking down at your radio. You spoil them like they're family. In fact, you care about them more than you care about your spouse or your partner, whoever that significant other is in your life. You may actually cuddle them more, spend more time with them. We're learning. So what's your point? Celebrities do the same thing with their animals, except they really, really spoil their animals. (laughs) And celebrity pet sitter Laura Voyager will be joining us in a few minutes right here on Animal Radio to tell us exactly what the celebrities do to spoil their animals and how you can become a pet sitter. Yes, you. Yeah, I know. It sounds so much more fun than the job you have right now, doesn't it? No, this is the best job in the world. This is... This, yeah, what, what we do. I think the guy uh, that we spoke to last hour, Alan yeah. Dixon, he had the best job in the world, getting paid to travel the world and take selfies. With animals. Yeah, what? but I'm sitting here with my snoring bulldog at my feet, and I couldn't be happier. Okay. Just saying. We all have great jobs, and if you can take your animals to work, you know, that's pretty cool, too. It is. It's the best. So what are you working on for this hour? Well, I've decided to play a little game with you. We're going to play Are You Normal? Because... <laughs> There's a because we know you're not. We already know, <laughs> right? But there's a, a new survey out uh, from, or some are calling it a report from Rover.com. So they found out all the things that you know people do or will do or have done for their pets, and we'll see if you do the same thing. And if you know, if more people do that thing for their their pet, then that's considered pretty normal. You know well, what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Is that surprising? (laughs) No, because great animal-loving minds think alike, Hal. We certainly do, don't we? Let's go to line four. We have Ruby on the phones. Hi, Ruby. Hi. How are you? Where are you calling from today? Um, I'm great. From um, California. Okay. Well, I have the whole dream team here to answer your questions. What's on your mind? Fantastic. I have a crazy cat. I have have a very beautiful three-year-old, almost a three-year-old cat who sprays um, in the house. Okay. It seems like it it sprays when it gets excited, and it's usually towards me, towards my bed or where I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and um, I know it's a behavior thing. We gave him away for a month to change the behavior, and he didn't pee in our friend's house at all. Okay. And then as soon as we brought him back home, he pees again. And okay. it seems like he's getting every day now. Oh, boy. Okay. And he, you said he's three years old. He's neutered? Yes. Okay. And is he the only cat in the house? Yes. I have a cat there... and a dog. Okay. And are there other cats in the neighborhood nearby, or is he pretty much an inside kitty? No, he's in and out, and they're, they're, it doesn't seem like we have any cats around us. Okay. 
All right. Well, you are right. And what you're describing is um, certainly sounds like it's more urine marking, which is a territorial behavior. Um, so th- the difference is with inappropriate urination, when a cat urinates out of the box and we think, oh, gosh, is it an accident? Is it a medical problem? Some of the things we look at to help determine that. One mm-hmm. with urine marking is that cats tend to spray um, in more vertical arrangements. Um, they mm-hmm. also tend to go towards um, the owner's belongings, beds, uh, laundry. Um, and, and they also tend to poop in the box fine, but the urine um, may sometimes happen in the urine on the litter box and may not always. So, so those are some of the characteristics we look at when we say, okay, this is really more of a behavioral problem. Um, the challenge is that we really, something in your home, there's stressors there. When cats do this, um, they feel the need to mark their territory, just like a, you know, a graffiti tagger going out and saying, hey, this is my, uh, my territory. And that's what he's doing. He's communicating with that. It's not anything spiteful, but yet he's feeling the need to do this. So what we really need to do is look in the home environment and decide what it is. Is it the dog? Is it the house? Um, are there outdoor cats nearby? Is there something in the environment that's unfavorable for him that's making him feel insecure that he has to say, hey, this is where I live? Um, so that, that can be a tough thing over the phone to necessarily figure out, but I do kind of just challenge you to look around the house and in the environment. Um, if we find well, something, then we try we to had, change it. We had, we, we were living in a different house, so he was peeing again um, all over the place and outside, and we just moved here. He stopped for two weeks. He was actually going to the little box and using the little box, and we have like three, four of them just in okay. case needs to do it so he wasn't doing it until uh, our cable person came in and somehow he bumped the little box dropped all the little and from then on he's continuing peeing all over the house so what was bumped the the little box got bumped and went all over the ground okay well he was in it good sorry was did it happen while he was in it no 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 it, he wasn't oh. in it but okay. for somehow, some, for some reason, he his um, behavior restarted. Okay. All right. So a couple weeks was using the little box very nicely. Okay. So a couple things that I'm going to ask you to do is that in the environment, um, I like the idea that you've offered alternate litter box sites. It's very important. But I also want to make sure that we give him other things that are very important to cats. So they like to perch. They like to get to high places. And they like to hide. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I would like you to duplicate and add more um, cat trees, window um, hammocks or seats, um, uh-huh. things that he can kind of get into and on top of. A cat that is up high feels safe and secure and is going to have um, a much happier uh, domain. Um, huh. The other things that I'm going to ask you to do are going to involve um, the areas where he is going and that you don't want him to go. So you mentioned he was going on the bed. Is that correct? On the corner of the bed, and now he's doing on the corner of the couch in the living room. So when we're dealing with corners of objects, what I like to do is actually take um, aluminum foil and dangle Mm -hmm. long sheets of that and secure that in some fashion to your couch um, or to the side of your bed. And the idea is when a cat urinates against aluminum foil, it makes that tinny sound, which they don't like. So it's Mm -hmm. a very um, kind of gentle way of using a deterrent there. The other thing that I am a big fan of, whether you have to put it on beds um, or on just carpeted areas or just areas where the cat might pass that you don't want them to go, that's just a high urine site. We're going to 
take um, those plastic carpet runners, turn them upside down. They've got those little kind of pokey things. And we're going to put those in the area just to make it a little less appealing for him to go in that area. Um, and then some other things we can use like citrus sprays and so forth. Um, those, those can be helpful. But the thing I'll tell you is that all these things environmentally for a cat that's spraying, some will work all by themselves. Other cases, and the vast majority of cats that are urine marking, they do require some help with drug therapy. And this is where you'll have to work with your veterinarian. Um, they may want to check a urine test just to make sure things are truly okay before they go down that road. Um, mm-hmm. But I often will find that I need to use things like Prozac or Clomipramine and really just get into that um, that with just environmental changes, unless we have something clearly that's been changed or um, added to the home environment that's distressing the cat, we really mm-hmm. need to get into drug therapy. So to get the best success, um, you know, that's where I would really recommend you you look at going. Yeah, we have used that um, um, band that goes around the neck uh, mm-hmm. for the scent. Apparently the scent helps them out. We have used mm-hmm. that. Um, I didn't like it. It makes him look like a zombie. <laughs> and his eyes popped out so it's kind of um I'm not sure which one you're referring to because pheromones really are not sedative in nature. Um, so uh, I, I'm not really sure that uh, you may be using the right type of product, but a pheromone collar or a pheromone diffuser That's can exactly be helpful. Collar. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, just to make sure there's not other components in there, whether there's any kind of essential oils or anything that he could be having an adverse reaction to. And pheromones are not drugs, so let me point that out. That's a natural remedy. It's a great thing to try. But what mm-hmm. I'm advocating is, you know, talk to your veterinarian about getting on some form of either a pill or a liquid um, to help manage the behavior. Very important. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. very much Good luck. for your help. Thanks for your Thanks. call, Ruby. Have a great day. Let yep. me tell you. Yes? That is a tough one. I, I had a... I had a cat. Um, well, actually, I, I had a girlfriend that I lived with years ago, and um, she had a cat. And she moved into my apartment, and the cat, for some reason, just didn't take well to me. And it would mark on my sneakers, on anything that was mine. Um, the cat would mark, and that's it. Don't it doesn't come out. It's, forget it. You might as well just throw it away. Okay. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn Chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. Well, some dogs apparently don't care all that much about breaking a world's record. The Kennel Club was attempting to set a new record for the largest assembly of dogs staying in one place at the same time. So to accomplish the goal, the animals had to either sit or stay in their designated spot for at least two minutes. But Kennel Club spokesman said some of the dogs just got a little too distracted, so they were up wandering around, sniffing each other's rear ends, so they didn't qualify. The Kennel Club had brought together 635 dogs in this attempt. 
Iowa's iconic butter cow sculpture is back on display now after it was trashed by animal rights activists. Authorities say the culprits doused the large sculpture with red paint and they scrawled freedom for all on the glass refrigerated case. The Iowa State Fair says that 600-pound cow sculpture, it uses enough butter to smother more than 19,000 slices of toast. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. Hey, this is Josh DeMel on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Yeah, we're a little nutty about our pets here at Animal Radio. We get to bring our pets to work. We have uh, Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. She's currently not taking any calls. So if you were calling for her, she's taking a little nap right now. Uh, she does this after her treats, which we have to, of course, we have to treat her after she takes a few phone calls. Oh, well, yeah. She has to get paid. Certainly. And then How old is Ladybug now? She is 10. She'll ten, be 11 ten. in July. Holy moly. But she's know. one of those tiny breeds. I mean, she's going to live to be, what, 502 little, yeah. or something? Oh, at least, yeah. Just yeah. a little yapper she is. <laughs> oh, that's her theme. That's her theme, yes. We gotta play her theme. We still gotta do that? We gotta play her theme every once once every a month once, we're supposed yeah. to play her theme. Yes, that's in her contract. You don't have to play it when she's sleeping. Yeah, okay, that's good. Uh, please tell her when she wakes up that we played her <laughs> theme for this month. Yeah. Loved your theme, Ladybug. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, we have Diesel over. And Diesel, who's asleep right now, you can hear the snoring in the background of Diesel. Diesel doesn't require any theme. And in fact, he's pretty low maintenance, isn't he? Uh, pretty much, yeah. But, you know, he he loves his mommy. I have to feed him five times a day, and he's all about me. What, I love... You know what? I was going to tell you guys this. I have never been loved by a dog or any animal the way that this dog loves me. And it is just the most rewarding thing. I got to tell you. It is so cool. Well, you know, they give us this unconditional love. And that's I can see why we love them more than our spouses or our partners, why we cuddle with them mm-hmm. more than our partners. I mean, they're they're more cuddly, frankly. It's just, you know, the fact that it, that he gets upset when I leave the room or like, you know, and everybody has to go, she's coming back, she's coming back. <laughs> it's like his world revolves around me. I mean, and you know, it's not just like he it's all about me. I I I want him, of course, to be happy, and he's happy when he's with me, 
So we're we're pretty happy together. It sounds kind of narcissistic, but I love this kid. Sure. Well, no, it's not narcissistic. And when you leave, he doesn't know whether you're going to be back in one minute, two minutes, a day, uh, three sunsets, four moons. He he has no right. idea. Yeah. Oh, he's a cutie. I wish this Thank was TV you. so listeners could see this. <laughs> so happy together. Yeah. So uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Laura Murray. What um, what are you working on in the newsroom, Lori? You know, I have you guys even missed it? The Museum of the Dog. For the last 30 years, it's been in a whole nother part of the country. Oh, where is it now? And it's returned to New York City, Manhattan. So, um, yeah, whole new whole new thing going on. And maybe it was just time, you know, for the Museum of the Dog. I like that. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to see it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. I'll tell you some of the things they've got in it, too. That's on the way. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Sherry. Hey, Sherry, how are you? Hey, how I'm great. How are you? Good. What's going on? Good. Well, this is kind of a return phone call. Um, I talked to Dr. Debbie a couple months back, and I wanted to know that she did convince me, and I'm going to have my dog spayed. Yay! Okay. Good deal. Happy to hear that. Yes. Well, what I'd really like to know is what the spaying process entails, what they do remove from her, and I want to know if it's going to change her personality. She's a 10-month-old, and she's extremely loving and very rambunctious, and I just don't want her to be somebody else. Okay, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times um, some folks will do spaying and neutering for the purpose, what they believe, for changing their personality so that we can calm them down. And I want to say, first and foremost, that female dogs, we really don't see that effect. In the male dog, we might see some of that sexual energy kind of tamed down um, once they're neutered. But for females, we really don't see a change in the personality there. So no problems there. Now, the actual process of spaying, it's actually uh, what we call an ovariohysterectomy. So we remove the ovaries and we move, remove the uterus. And it's usually through an abdominal incision. And for most dogs, uh, depending on the office you go to, she may be there a day, she may be there two days. Um, and in most cases, we'll take stitches out about 10 days down the road. So just kind of keeping things to a low roar in the first couple days afterwards helps to facilitate healing. Now, I would say there are increasingly some veterinarians that offer laparoscopic spaying. And it's a little different in that usually they'll only remove the ovaries and they don't remove the uterus. And there's some, some research that shows that if you just remove the ovaries, you don't have a lot of the uterine disease down the road. So that's kind of a new and still something we're learning in the veterinary world, how that fit, fits in and finds its place. But we're really happy that you're going to do this. What made Thank you come you. around? What, well, you know, lots of things. I think you're right. And um, also, I thought if I have the puppies, then if, if I give them to someone else, I will always feel like I gave my babies away. <laughs> <laughs> well, your baby yes. will live longer now and better for it. Yes. Thanks so much. Uh, hold on for one second there. One eight six. Give this girl a prize. We're going to give her something good. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Matthew Harris, a researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, has discovered chickens with something extra. Teeth. Lots of teeth. Some scientists believe that ancient genetic DNA tendencies can resurface after being dormant for years. 
Tooth growth in birds has been researched, debated, and often ridiculed for 200 years. Harris and his partner were researching a mutant strain of chickens who rarely survive when they discovered the teeth, which look a lot like baby teeth and alligators, which happen to be birds' closest living relative. Why these particular chickens develop teeth is unknown, but Harris says it's like finding gold in a bathroom. Or finding teeth in a chicken, I guess. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. According to a new report slash survey, if you will, from Rover.com, nearly half of pet parents cuddle with their dog more than they do with their significant other or the other significant human in their life. Now, since you're likely an animal lover just by the sheer fact that you're listening to this show here at Animal Radio, this might not surprise you, but the report also found about a quarter of the people they surveyed with pets plan to spend more money on their furry loved ones than their significant other. And 24% said they took more pictures of their dog than they did with friends or family members. 81% said they used a high voice to baby talk to their dog. And if you listen long enough here, sometimes uh, Dr. Debbie will, will coach us on baby talking because Hal and I are not very good at it. Oh, I've become um, much better. You Such a good listener. You're such a good listener. Good listener. Good listener. Diesel, Diesel's helped me a lot, but it, I, I have a ways to go, Hal. 33% admit that they plan their weekend around their dog. And I'm thinking only 33%? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what you do? None of this um, surprises in, me, Lori. None of this surprises me. One in three pet parents take their dog along on dates. I would have loved that in my day and age of dating about... <laughs> I know, you know, huh? 20 years ago, yeah. Um, yeah, it would. you would just be so much more comfortable. Don't laugh at the 20-year remark. And um, more than half, 53% of these pet parents said they would consider... Ending a relationship if their partner didn't like their their dog or was severely allergic to it. Of course you would. What Damn would you straight. would you get rid of the dog? I don't think so. Nope. Well, the newly rebooted Museum of the Dog. You might have forgotten we had one. It has made its return to the American Kennel Club's headquarters in Manhattan after spending the last three decades in St. Louis. But why? Well, now the museum is using its 200-item collection to put the dog-human-dog-art relationship, if you will, in context. Some of the relics you'll find at the museum include a 30-million-year-old dog fossil. The museum also presents famous dogs from all throughout history, including Edward VII's wire fox terrier named Caesar, who was part of the king's 1910 funeral procession, Likenesses of U.S. presidents also made the cut for the museum. Yeah, there are paintings of George H.W. Bush's English Springer Spaniel, Millie. I always thought Millie belonged more to Mrs. Bush. And uh, George W. Bush's Scottish Terriers, Barney and Miss Beasley, 
are also in the museum. The crown jewel of the museum, though, they say, is its 42,000-volume library on dogs and specific breeds. That may be more dog than we could ever know. That's a lot. (laughs) And the National Weather Service is, is typically pretty stoic with its forecast and advice. They have to be. It's a serious business. But on one day earlier this month, the satellite office of the Weather Service in Ohio issued an unofficial small dog warning. It was posted on Twitter, though. (laughs) Uh, Due to strong winds gusting to 50 miles per hour in parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania, the tweet said, hold on to your pooch. Be sure to make sure both your trash can and your dog don't blow away. Yeah, you you don't want to be around when it turns from a warning into a watch. Yeah, small dog watch. (laughs) There you go. But there's a first for everything. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It is Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. We encourage you to pick up those phones toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes here on Animal Radio. But first, we visit no stranger to Animal Radio. Laura Varier is joining us. She wrote the book, The Pet Sitter's Tale. And she actually has a couple of clients that are celebrity clients, don't you? But I understand you can't talk about them. I That would be, uh, you know, disrespectful of their privacy, right? Well, I do talk about some of them, but only in a good way. <laughs> of course. You know, do they have oh, we good... want the dirt. <laughs> Everybody wants the dirt. <laughs> you know, Judy, when she pet sits, and she does a lot of pet sitting, occasionally clients will give her a long list of things to do. I mean, like a couple of pages. Instructions, yes. Massive instructions, which I think, you know, is a good thing to do, right? You like to have instructions. Oh my gosh, I call it the phone book. Yes, I have clients who have the thick manuals. I mean, they're bound and they are three ring binders and they are instructions about every single emergency that you might encounter plus things that you would probably never encounter and then instructions too. Judy probably knows about this. Turn on the TV and connect to the Wi-Fi. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I get a lot of instructions on play their favorite toys, what to play, what time to play, how long to play, what my role is in that play. I love that. And, you know, I had a client who put post-it notes wherever her pets would like, and she'd put a little sticky there like, oh, Fluffy likes to sleep here, and oh, you might find Bunny, you know, resting over here, and here's another spot. And there were stickies all over the house with little little post-it notes saying, yeah, look here. <laughs> I can totally relate. I have a, Maybe we have the same client. <laughs> Uh, Diesel is asleep. Uh, Diesel is a dog in the newsroom here. So if you hear snoring in the background, that's actually Diesel. Diesel. Yeah. So your book, The Pet Sitter's Tale, obviously you've collected a lot of stories. And I imagine that anybody that uh, pet sits for a little while comes up with some pretty interesting stories. What would you say is the most awkward pet sitting incident that you've had? I think it can be awkward, when, especially when people don't disclose that they have cameras in their home. And, you know, there used to be, when I started almost over 15 years ago now, we didn't have the technology that we do today, and so there was a bigger expectation of privacy. 
And I never thought to ask clients, hey, do you have any cameras in the house, you know, that I might, you know, want to know about. But now I think that the, the most awkward thing is going to a client's house, not really realizing that they had a, a, a camera and, you know, taking a shower and coming out in a towel and having them call me and said, you know, we forgot to tell you that we have cameras in the house. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Thank God I'm walking around with a towel on. I mean, thanks for telling me now. You know, I've learned when I go into anybody's home now to act as if there's cameras. You have to. You yes. absolutely have to. And, you know, it's it's really too bad. I don't like to think about the cameras, but you ha- right, right, you have to. And when I hire employees, I always tell them, you know what, listen, don't do anything that you wouldn't want to see yourself doing in front of a jury of your peers, okay? <laughs> you know, keep it on the up and up. If you're questioning anything at all, don't do it. And, you know, it's a slippery slope because clients say, help yourself, make yourself at home, and then they're watching you. So it's, you know, it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Exactly. What would you suggest for somebody that wants to get into the business? You know, this is a great business to get into. There is very little barrier to entry. You don't have to invest a ton of money into dog walking or pet sitting. You can kind of start where you are, make up a business card, get a website. But most of all, meet your neighbors and let your friends and family know that you're available for pet sitting and dog walking if you're going to offer dog walking as well. Because this is the kind of service that people need and want. And once they've used you once and you've done a good job, they will definitely call you again. I know, sometimes too much. I'm on call all the time. Do you, do you have any clients that you just uh, you have to turn away just because they're too high maintenance? You know, I've had only a couple throughout the years, and I recently had a client that had two giant Dobermans, and she created them, which is fine, but they were aggressive. And she would say to me, you have to be the alpha. You can't let them know that you're scared of them. Well, I wasn't scared of them, but they weren't my average sort of fluffy, happy-go-lucky dog. And I felt that they were a little too aggressive and that it could turn. And I just had to say to the client, you know, I think that they would do better with maybe a male caregiver because they really responded to that male energy. And... I, I kind of had to say, you know, you, you, you're probably better off going with someone else because I felt uncomfortable in that situation with these two huge Dobermans. They, um, they, they made me nervous, quite frankly, and dogs never make me der- nervous, and those two did. So that was a situation where I had to say, hey, you know, it's just not a good fit. And then one other time I had a situation with a client that was overfeeding her dogs. They were hugely obese, and she... You know, she believed food was love, and she gave them way too much food, and they were probably really not even able to move very well. They couldn't even go on walks anymore, and it was just really sad, and I had to let that go, too, because I just really couldn't reconcile the treatment of those pets, and I couldn't come up with a delicate way of saying, hey, in my opinion, what you're doing isn't right for the animals. Yeah, I had a client one time. I was a cat, and they wanted me to pop three pills down its throat, and that cat wanted to kill me oh and i said i can't do that job yeah Yeah. they've called me back and i said nope i the cat wanted to kill me the last time i'm not i'm not going (laughs) near him there's nothing Mm. i'll tell you i i would take on a gnarly dog i would not take on an aggressive cat though a cat you will always if a cat scratches you or bites it will always become infected now that's not always true if you get scratched or bit by a dog but a cat 
because of the bacteria in the mouth, you will always get an infection from a cat. Cats are terrifying. Let's face it. If they're bigger, they would eat us. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a quick break. We are with Laura Vorier, pet sitter extraordinaire. We'll be right back. Stick around. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, and we're talking with pet sitter extraordinaire Laura Vorier. Vorier. Laura Vorier. 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 You know, when you tell people that you're for your job, your work, that you're a pet sitter, sometimes they look at you like, well, it's not really a legitimate job, but it can be a six figure salary for some people, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that the that the sort of consensus on it is changing because now you see the look at dogvacay and rover.com and these on demand wag wag.com these apps and these on demand dog walkers and pet sitters i mean you've seen a lot of venture capital go into these startup companies and they are um, disrupting sort of the the whole industry with their on demand this and on demand that so you can do very well uh, especially if you are one of these people at the top of those startups but this is the kind of business that you can take it as far as you're willing to go with it. You can hire employees, you can franchise, you can have multiple locations, and there's a lot that you can do in your own home without even needing to get a facility. So I think this is a very lucrative business. You know, before you told people you're a pet sitter, a dog walker, you know, they're kind of thinking in their back of their mind, oh, you're just a loser. But once they see you hustling and, you know, you've got clients and you've got people working for you and, you know, payroll systems and you're doing tax returns and you're working, I think it's an eye-opener. Sure, sure. What do you think about apps like WAG, who's come under a lot of criticism lately because of a couple of deaths of animals? Yeah, you know what? It just doesn't work from, I would say, my generation. I have clients who, when I've been busy or I couldn't help them, I said, um, do you, do you want to use app? I have a, I have a promo code. <gasps> Laura, I don't want to use, I don't want to use WAG. I don't want to use an app. I want to know somebody. I want to meet them before they come to my house. Now, that's my generation, okay? And the people that I typically service who are in my demographic, but I know people who are much younger than me in their 20s, millennials, if you will, and it's, it's a different generation. Everything is on demand for them. They're okay with that. So I think it depends on your comfort level. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my clientele. But it's obviously working for some people because I see the cars in my neighborhood. I see the people who, I, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I work for Rover. I work for WAG. I work for Uber. I work for Lyft. And they're helping them, you know, eke out a, a living. And that's the gig economy. How true. 
It's so true. You know, you see people, then they're doing a little bit of everything. Well, I thank you so much for spending time with us again. Uh, Judy is telling me that we've got to move on here, but hopefully we can do this again sometime. Laura Varieri, the book is called The Pet Sitter's Tale, and I have five copies to give out. If you're not lucky enough to get on through and, and pick this up, we can get this at Amazon, right? It's on Amazon, and now it is just available on Audible, too. So if you want to listen to me tell the stories oh. while you're walking the dog, you can do that, too. So you voice it. Yeah, that is fun. I voiced I voiced the book myself, and it's going really well. People love audiobooks. Talk about a market disruptor. If you're into them, download this one. It's only a couple hours, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. Okay, we'll put links over at our website at animalradio.pet. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, you guys. Be well. I love her cheery enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. And let's go to Blaine. Hey, Blaine, how are you? Hi. My uh, dachshund, Bo, he's overweight. But he, uh, he'll, like, drink a lot of liquids, and he, like, swells up, and he'll, like, let's say he retains water or something. And mm. then when you, uh, and then recently he started, like, wetting the bed where he lays and stuff. I don't, he doesn't mean to, because he, he'll be, like, on the step, and he'll get up, and it's wet. You know, like, okay. so I don't know what his problem is, if he's lost bladder control or what it is. Yeah. And in meal dogs, you know, bladder control problems are not real common as the sole cause of urine leakage. Female dogs, sometimes we do see that they can have some sphincter problems, some leaky bladder problems, but it's pretty rare in male dogs. So for me, when I find out of a dog, a male dog that's leaking urine in any context, especially if it's accompanied with drinking more or peeing large volumes of um, urine, that would warrant a veterinary visit. And I would check a urine sample and probably some blood as well. The things that we look, the things that we're really going to be looking for um, are going to be um, conditions that cause your baby to drink more, things like diabetes, kidney concerns, liver concerns, um, and, you know, retaining water. Sometimes we think about heart disease, but usually there would be other symptoms that I'd be focused on and looking at. But uh, oh, okay. I would definitely well, say, yeah. He does have trouble with hair loss, but he's a doctor. I've heard that comment. That he doesn't have what? I'm sorry? He does have hair loss also, but I've had that for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that might be something that can kind of tie things together. Um, so for me, if I find out a dog is kind of losing hair, maybe getting a little pot-bellied and having excessive urinations, we might look at some hormone problems like Cushing's disease. So they ought to, Oh, okay. So that might be something else to put on the whole differential um, when you see the veterinarian. But I, I, I definitely would say, you know, I can tell you certainly you need to get this baby in, at least do some baseline screening on him and uh, find okay. out uh, the underlying cause. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for your call, Blaine. we got to head on out of here. If you want more, head on over to our website at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.